I, I really feel like this is a, uh, a turning point for us as a church, for us as um, Christians uh, in the nations. And um, I really want to just really, uh, how would I say that, stirred and convicted to actually get serious about the Great Commission. And we, we never want to be a place that plays church. We, I don't know how you feel, but I never want to put my hand to something that's unfruitful. Um, I like to ask the questions, is, is it working? Is it worth it? You know, anyone else think that when they got up this morning? Is it? All right. When uh, we got invited to go fishing on Saturday morning and James told me the time and says, we can leave at six. And I said, oh, is it worth it? How bad do I want to catch fish on Saturday? Anyway, we made it 7.30 and I caught fish. But we caught the fish at 10.30. So I could have slept in. Anyway, hindsight. Hindsight. <laughs> Turns out the fish had to sleep in as well. Um, but we, we want to be a people that are actually fruitful. I actually think it's, it's good for us to ask questions and actually gauge, are we actually fulfilling the Great Commission? What does that look like? Um, a lot of us have been measuring uh, of hands raised, um, congregational size, but we want to actually see a move of God in our nation and in the nations of the earth. So it's good for us to talk and have these discussions and preach a biblical understanding of the Great Commission. Um, because we're actually called to disciple nations, uh, if you didn't know, and you, we'll get to that today. So I want to look at two, um, two of the great, the two commissions that we've been given in Mark 16 and Matthew 28, and uh, we're going to look at the difference between them, and then we're going to focus on Matthew 28 as a great commission. Is that all good? Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you'll give me the boldness to preach your gospel as I ought to. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not here to please men, but to please you. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your words coming forth with power, love, and grace. God, I thank you, Lord, for those who have come out again. Lord, I pray that we would be fresh in their ears. God, I thank you, Lord, that we would capture the Great Commission. Lord, that we would get serious about what you have called us to. The cause of Christ would be so clear and so um, at the forefront of everything we do. Lord, that we would truly live for you, not live for ourselves and give you a, a Sunday, but, Lord, we would actually truly live for you. That's our prayer, Lord. I know it's the heart of every person in this room to actually live unto you, to live in you and for you. That is our prayer. That is our request tonight. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Mark 16, verse 15. This is the, both of these are after Jesus has uh, risen from the dead. And uh, this is what he says to the disciples, to the apostles. He says, then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to some people. Preach the good news to who? To everyone, right? Just, just understand that this gospel is for everyone. It's for every person. It's for every nation. He says, go into all the world. He didn't say, go into all the world but miss out New Zealand. No. He didn't say, go into all the world but miss out the Philippines. No. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. So if you're wondering who you should be preaching to or sharing the gospel with, just go with the word of the Lord, everyone. The people that you think that don't want God, the people that you think are anti-God, the people that you think like God, the people who you think are close to being saved, and the people you think are far away from being saved, you just preach to everyone. You share the good news of Jesus because God is working behind the scenes. Anyone who believes, how many love the gospel? Everyone and anyone. Everyone and anyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Why are they condemned? Because the wages of sin is death. All of us were born into sin. 
So we need a payment for sin. Jesus Christ is the payment for sin. He is the perfect sacrifice that pays our debt so we don't have to be condemned. We don't want to be condemned to eternity without God. We don't want to be condemned to hell. We want to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that gospel is for every single person. Every single one of us have fallen short and need a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? So those who refuse to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And all the Australians said, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. We shared um, with um, my friend. Jeremy, sorry, we, see, we shared your testimony about Fisher on Wednesday night. I hope that was okay. But we prayed for Fisher, and he had some skin issues going on, and it's all cleared up in Jesus' name. Two years. Eczema, gone in Jesus' name. So come on, that's so good. Give God the glory. So good to have praying and believing parents, amen. Um, so you lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed. All right, so that's Mark 16, 15, 18. Let's go to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? To me, given to Jesus. And because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. So we've just seen that we should preach to everyone, anyone who believes, uh, go into all the world, uh, we've seen um, disciple all nations. There's not just a select few nations that we're meant to be discipling. Um, we, we've had some very over-evangelized nations. There's still some people groups in the world that have never even yet to hear the gospel. Isn't that incredible? And we get to hear the gospel every Sunday, if not more. There's some people who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that should do something in our heart. That should, that should move us. That should stir us to actually believe that we should go to all the nations not just the ones that are tropical. Everyone wants to go on the mission trip to Mexico, right? Everyone wants to go to the islands. But God has called us to go to all nations, and I believe that God is even calling people to nations in this room tonight. So go, into, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I, that I have commanded you, and behold, I will be with you always except in 2023. Sorry. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's just a great, great promise right there. So let's have a look. We've got a quick slide here. I want to look at the differences between the two commissions that we just looked at. Number one, very obvious, Mark, Mark uh, 16 and Matthew 28 both say what? Go. Come on. We, we are, as, as a Christian, you should have a go inside of you. You should have a go in your life. We, we are called to go. Go to your neighbor, go to your school, go to your family, go just go somewhere and tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah, the way you live your life, the, way, the opportunities that God will present to you if you're, if you're aware and awake. I'm, I'm amazed how God can bring opportunities to share about Him just in, in normal everyday life circumstances. I've been out fishing and been able to share the gospel. I've been able to sit in an Arrowtown parade next to a, an old, old couple and actually have a conversation about Jesus. Sitting down, just watching the Arrowtown Parade, there, there are moments all around us where we actually get to share our faith. We're not forcing it. We're not trying to ram it down people's, people's throats. But 
God is wooing and drawing all the people in all the nations. And all we have to do is have a heart that's aware and an ear that's open to listen to who God wants us to preach the gospel to. Amen. So there's an urgency. There's a, there's a go. Uh, Mark 16 says to preach the gospel to everyone. Matthew 28 says that we are to disciple. Right? We have to have both of these. We need to preach the gospel. The Bible says that unless people hear, faith comes by hearing, and how can they hear unless anyone preaches? So we must preach the Word of God. We must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, that He is the, he is the perfect sacrifice. He is the one who came and hung on a cross for all the humanity that sin, past, present, and future is paid for. He is the one who has reconciled us to the Father. He is the only way unto God. There is no other way but the one way who is Jesus Christ Himself. The Bible does not say that Jesus is our way, our truth, our life. He is the way, the truth, the life. And I know in this culture that might sound like hate speech, but the reality is that it's love speech. Hate speech would be lying to you. Come on. There is only one way, and His name is Jesus Christ. So go, go, preach, disciple every person. Matthew 28 is every nation. Every nation. So right here in Mark 16, we, what we're seeing here is our everyday responsibility as a believer. Go, preach every person, breadth, depth, monogenerational. What does that mean? It means that every generation needs re-evangelized. Every generation needs re-evangelized. Even if everyone got saved in New Zealand tomorrow, there would be another generation that rise that would need to be evangelized again. All right? That's, that's the heart of Mark 16. Uh, Matthew 28 is multi-generational. So we're trying to actually set up a way that the disciples and nation, that the nations are discipled on a generational scale. Multi-generational scale. Yeah? We're always going to have to preach, but we're trying to, we're trying to get, we're trying to get into the bigger picture of Matthew 28. Mark 16 is urgent like it's today. Matthew 28 is more strategic. Matthew 28 is like mustard seed kind of deal. Like you, you plant the seed, it's a very small seed, but we're, we, are, we are thinking long game. We want to influence, we want to see nations discipled for the glory of God. Amen? So we, we never want to negate our urgent Mark 16 commission. I've, I've preached a lot, about, a lot on it, and I don't feel like I need to keep rehearsing it, but man, we have, we have gone after that thing. We've been on the street. We, we do all that. We, we pray. We believe. We take the opportunities God puts in front of us. We lay hands on the sick, and we see Him recover, and we share our testimony. That's beautiful. We should never stop doing that, but we have to have a bigger picture of Matthew 28, which is actually to see nations changed for the glory of God, and that's going to take intentionality, and it's going to take strategy. So... How, how, how we see a, a nation discipled is through, some of you may know it as the seven mountains or the seven spheres, but this, every society, every nation is made up in these seven areas. We've got family. Anyone part of a family? Three people, praise God. Religion, church, education, government, media, celebration, which is arts, entertainment, and sports, economic, business, science, and technology. These are the seven spheres or the seven uh, pillars or whatever you want to call them, seven mountains. Everyone's got different names for them. But this is what makes up a nation. This is what makes up a society. And the trouble with our Christianity is that we keep, we keep preaching 
that Christianity is just meant to stay in the religion church sphere. And that Christianity has nothing to do with education. Christianity has nothing to do with government. Christianity has nothing to do with media, celebration, or economics. That's, that's the kind of understanding that we have of the Great Commission. But the Great Commission is actually to disciple nations. It's a, our Christianity is actually meant to shape and mold and influence nations. It is, it is our neighbor, it is our friend, it is the stranger on the street, but it is nations. We are called to influence nations. The, the current status of what we're seeing in the world right now is that there is a, an enormous, almost urgent retreat of Christians out of all of these areas. Because the way the world is, because the way that things look right now, Christians are, are almost, uh, dare I say it, scared, um, perplexed, disillusioned, and we think the answer is to take the salt and the light out of all of those spheres of society. And you, you, you even hear sermons or people talking about it that, that Christianity is just meant to stay in the religion sphere. You stay there and don't let your views or anything else move past that. Everyone's okay with a Christian as long as he stays in the sphere. That's cool. That's you. That's your beliefs. You did right. It is me and it is my beliefs. But I'm called to be salt and light in a world. You are called to be salt and light in the world. The Bible says that no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. I, I, I've always interpreted that scripture as people just not being bold for the Lord. That, that, I don't actually think that that's a correct interpretation. I think it's when we become Christians and we, we can be a light in family. We can be a light in education. We can be a light in government. We can be a, a light in media. But, but we, we pull out of those things. And all of us just want to hang out in the religion church sphere. And can I just tell you right now as a pastor, it's getting very crowded. <laughs> it's very overpopulated at the moment. And there's a reason why it's overpopulated. It's because the church has continually been preaching that the religion church sphere is the pinnacle of Christian mission. Like if you have a call of God on your life, you must be a pastor. Or you must be a missionary. We, we need to start dismantling the lie of secular and sacred. The religion church sphere of society is not the only sacred sphere. If you are called to government and media and family, I need you to know tonight that your ministry in those areas is just important as a pastor. You being a teacher, you being salt and light and media, you being, you being in, uh, in government and education and family and being a Christian, please hear what I'm saying, being a Christian, not forcing Christianity with your words and not living a life that matches what you say, being a Christian, being salt and light in that sphere will actually bring influence and breakthrough. And we need to shift the church from thinking that we just gather on a Sunday 
And then, we, and then when we go to our work or we go to our government job or we go to our media or we go to our business or our science and, or we go to our nursing or our hairdressing or our, our, our plumbing and we think we leave our Christianity at the door and we just work our secular job, you've missed the Great Commission. There could be actually a reason why God has called you to that place. Because the reality is that God actually has a a original design of how every sphere looks. God actually has a design for how families family looks. God has a, has a design for how education is meant to look. Education from a biblical perspective is about teaching and educating on an intellectual level. Right now in, ed- in the education in the world, we, we have them intruding on the sphere of family. Talking about different situations and circumstances and ideologies that actually are meant to be in the family sphere, which is the responsibility of the parent. Government also is overreaching in this area. The role of government is to, is to, um, is to actually bring justice. The role of government is to look after every person and their interests. Not one people group, not one agenda, but meant to look after the whole nation and everything that that entails. So there is a divine origin, there is a divine way that God actually wants government to function. But we will never see a government that honors God if we keep pulling out of all the areas that we've actually been called to. Because to be honest tonight, I know it's Sunday night so I can just speak how I need to speak, but man, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so distraught in hearing so many Christians complain about how things are going, yet the reason they're going that way is because we keep pulling out. <laughs> we're, we're upset with media at the moment. We, we, we don't like the, some of the messages and stuff that's coming through in different avenues and different streaming platforms. And so our, 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 big, our big weapon is, hey, let's try and boycott it. What if there was actually Christians that were being salt and light in the area of media? Wow. Because <laughs> here's our strategy. Boycott that and start our own Christian media. Now, apart from the chosen and veggie tales, I haven't seen anything of decent quality. <laughs> That's not the answer, friends. The, an- the answer is not for us to boycott and then run a second-rate thing. Like, what does Christian business look like? Does it, does it look like the, the fish sticker on the back of your work vehicle? Or honk if, Jesus, honk if, you, if you love Jesus? By the way, if you've got that stuff, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against that. What, what I'm saying is, what if Christian business looks like integrity? Like, what if it looks like when you say you're going to turn up, you turn up? What, what if it says that, like, if there's a, an error in payment, you get that money back to the client, like, quick? What if you did a job and it didn't actually take you as much time and you just adjusted the bill and said, hey, just want to be up front with you. I quoted this much, but it actually only cost me this, and this is what I want to give it to you for. 
that's what, I, that's what I talk about influencing the spheres of economics. It's not that you have to have a big slogan on your, on your billboard saying, we are a Christian business. You function as a Christian in business. You do business the way that God has ordained it to be, to be done, which is to be done in fairness, to be done in openness, without corruption, without bribery, with integrity and honesty. Come on. If you're called to be in media, we're, we're not looking for um, 300 people to stand up and say, I'm going to make a movie about the crucifixion of Jesus. Mel Gibson's already done it. Did a pretty good job, in my opinion. But what if, what if in the, the, the media and the, and the stuff that we're putting out is actually enforcing kingdom values and principles? What if that honors God? What if you're in the media industry and all you do is you're just an assistant to a director and all you do is bring coffee? Well, what if you're doing it in such a way that they actually see the love of Christ? That they actually see that, hey, you're actually like the hardest worker in the room. Everyone else is complaining and you're actually just serving. Do you know the amount of influence you'll have in that area? It's very simple. Jesus modeled the way. He modeled. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. He washed the disciples' feet. He showed us what servant leadership looks like because what has been unhealthy in our, in our churches and in our Christianity is that we think we need to dominate all these areas. We don't. We are not here to dominate. We are not here to control. God himself created humanity with a free will. And so we influence and we change and we bring transformation of nations through us just being who God has called us to be. Not by controlling, not by manipulating, not by lording it over. Jesus actually said uh, to the Gentiles that you lord over. It's, it's not to be this way for you. The greatest of you, of you will be the least. The one who wants to be the greatest will be the least, will be the servant of all. Christianity tells us to put other people before ourselves. And the same applies to our great commission in all of these areas. We are not there to control. We are not there to get in control and just mess everything up. We are there to influence and bring the kingdom of God into every sphere of society to actually see nations transformed. That's the great commission. Amen? So we need to get rid of the secular, sacred view. If you, uh, no, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll get past that. So we don't, we don't want to mass retreat from all these areas. We, we need Christians in education. We need Christians in government. By the way, we don't need another Christian party. Seriously. Do you think, you think Joseph started a Christian party? Daniel, Esther, Nehemiah. They lived in such a way that they found favor with those in power. Their life, their witness brought them into positions and places of influence. If Nehemiah wasn't, wasn't doing what he was doing, he would never have got sent to rebuild Jerusalem. He never would have found, sight, would have found favor in the sight of the king. Daniel, come on, he was functioning with such wisdom, such understanding. Joseph's the same, that they actually, it opened up ways of influence. Now, Joseph didn't become Pharaoh. He was under Pharaoh. 
But Pharaoh trusted him. Pharaoh knew who he was. Pharaoh could see the favor of God on his life. And we've stopped preaching this stuff. We've just told people, hey, just come to church on a Sunday. Just be a Christian. Hang out in the, in the church sphere with all, with all of us. We need to start having a bigger perspective that we're actually called to disciple nations. And this is long game kind of stuff. But I, 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 have, I, have to, I have to keep reiterating that I want people in this room to understand that if you are called in any of these areas, unless you have a word from God to pull out, stay. Please stay. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. I know it's perplexing. But God has you there for a reason. Just think of what it would look like if you weren't there. We, we don't want to be the salt and the salt shaker that is wondering why we're not affecting the food when we're not in it. We don't want to be the light that has put a basket over its head and saying, why is, why is the world going this way when we are refusing to be in it? Wow. Do you know when Jesus seen humanity's issue, he didn't sit in heaven and say, man, I can't believe it went this bad. What did he do? What did God do when he seen humanity in the sin and the shame that we had created? Lost, broken, hurting. What did he do? He sent his son into the Thank you, Pastor Lynn. This is not trick questions tonight, guys. God did not stay in heaven and say, man, it's gone to the pack. He sent himself. He sent his son, Jesus. God wrapped in human flesh. Put him right in our situation. Put him right in the midst of humanity. Didn't just send him down for two weeks with all his godly powers and say, hey, change it. He was born a baby. He, he grew. He, he understands what it is to be human. He understands what it means to grow. He understands what it means to feel hungry and feel pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by those closest to you. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood. He knows what it's like to be rejected by society. God did not sit in heaven and do nothing. He sent somebody. He sent Jesus into the midst of our situation to bring transformation. God's strategy has not changed. He still sends people, <laughs> He still sends people into areas to bring transformation. He has still placed His church on earth. He said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go therefore. So, what is he saying? He's saying, earth and heaven, it's all mine. Now, my people, get in it. Disciple it. Disciple nations. I know that's a big, big call for us. Disciple nations. Disciple New Zealand. Baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. What does that mean? Teach them to live according to my kingdom. Teach them how to live according to my kingdom and family. Man, you're quiet. Teach them how to, how to live according to my way in religion and church. 
Teach them how to live according to my way of education. Teach them how to live in my way according to government. What is the purpose of government? What is my heart for government? Come on. Teach them how to, how to live according to my way in media. You'll say, what, Corey, what does media have to do with it? Well, we live in Queenstown. Walk out your door, have a look at what God's already done. Look at his art display this morning. Pretty good. Pretty magnificent. So when we see beauty in art, what it's really doing is glorifying God. I don't want to be a name dropper tonight, but um, Stan Walker, amazing example of a, of a man who loves Jesus. And so we think that if someone's going to be an artist and they're a Christian, then every single song has to be a Christian song. And if they don't do a Christian song, we'd say they've compromised. Bro, I tell you, the church is, is, is not the biggest supporter of people actually living and being salt and light in these areas. They, they, they start living by kingdom principles. They're, they're moving behind the backgrounds. They're influencing. They're bringing change. And we're, we're, we're annoyed with them because when they got interviewed, they didn't um, tell everyone to repent. I, I can't, I would love to share some stories. Privately, I'd love to talk to you about some politicians and people who've tried to make some change and brought a, a godly strategy to a situation and were flooded with letters from local pastors saying how they have uh, compromised on the truth of the gospel. And we wonder why no one else in the church wants to be operating in anything other than the church and religious sphere. Because we crucify those who aren't in that sphere. And so I use this example because the world would tell you that love is finding someone in the club at 3 a.m. It's not love, it's lust. Stan Walker sings a song that talks about, I will choose to love you. Some people think that falling in and out of love, it's just a feeling. And he says, but love is a decision. Guys, that's the way that God called us to love. God doesn't say, hey, I love you one day and I don't love you the next. He says, I love you. Whether you had a good day, bad day, ugly day, mundane day, I don't care. I love you. God will not stop being who he is. And the Bible says that God is love. So Stan, as a, as a Christian, is not talking about Jesus in his song, but he is, as a Christian, he is producing art and entertainment that is actually preaching a message that love is not something that you fall in and out of. It's a commitment you make to somebody. That is having a kingdom influence on marriages. It's having a kingdom influence in all the other younger generations that are growing up hearing that love is just like a feeling. Love is the girl that you're attracted to. He's actually defining what love is and what love takes. It's a commitment. We, we, have to, we have to get a bigger picture of what our Christianity is about. It is it, 100%. It is we, when we have an opportunity, of course we're going to glorify Jesus. Without Him, we're nothing. But we are also influencing and discipling in this kind of way that we are not just, if we want to be a Christian director, we're not just making Christian movies. We're bringing in the kingdom of God into movies. 
That's literally how the world is doing it right now. They, they have their agenda of what they want to do. You get it in every single sphere. And you begin to disciple and influence a nation. And I'm, I'm a little bit upset that the world seems to be doing a better job of discipling nations than we are. When Jesus told us to do it. We have to have a bigger picture, amen? So we can't influence anything that we're not in. We've got to be in it. Bible says that you're in the world, but not of it. Some of us interpret that, that we're all meant to be living off grid. We are not meant to be living off grid. We are not all moving to the West Coast. We are not. We, we are not. We are called to be salt and light in every single area of society, every sphere. We are called to be Christian. Amen? That, that is not our, our, our the, the Great Commission has, says nothing about running away. Jesus never said, run to the ends of the earth and hide out. Move to Stewart Island. Wait for me to come back. He never said that. Why would he say that to a people when he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth? Why would his people be running and hiding out the ends of the earth when he's actually called us to disciple nations? Why does he tell us to go there for? Make disciples, baptize nations. If we're just meant to just pack our bags, get out of all the spheres and just hang out in the church once. And when it gets really bad, guys, I'll come and rescue you. If you can show me that in the Bible, I'll change my mind. But I'm pretty confident. The Word of God that I've read and labored over that I have not seen Jesus say retreat. I can't find it anywhere. He never said retreat. Actually, in the book of Revelation, he says that those who put their hand to the plow and turn backward, mm, we'll leave that one alone. So, is this okay? You guys all good? 740, we're doing all right? Give me five more minutes. Is that okay? Awesome. So, oh, have I, did I share the story about the exec team? No, I can't. Should I? Uh, I wish I could share names. Very high up, like Silicon Valley kind of deal. Lady on an exec team, there is a crisis, a urgent uh, problem that has arisen that they need an urgent answer to. Big deal, big problem. They bring all the exec team together. The lady who is a Christian who is in this exec team says, give me five minutes. She goes and has a bathroom break. She prays to God. God gives her the strategy and the answer to solve the problem. She walks back into the board meeting, gives the, gives the answer. They said, that is incredible. That will actually solve exactly what we're going after. And then what comes next is, how did you get that answer? Well, actually, I just left for five minutes. I went and prayed, and Jesus gave me the answer. <laughs> Talk about influence, Right? Then they say, well, here's, the, here's our other three problems. Can you do it with this as well? <laughs> I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know if the other three worked out. But all I know is that our Christianity is not meant to be just kept into our church service. God will give us wisdom and strategy in all the areas of life if we actually believe that what we're doing is unto Him. 
If we have a grid for discipling nation, we can actually bring real answers and real solutions to the things that we're facing. Like I'm genuinely so, I was talking to some people today, I'm genuinely so um, stirred um, as a community that Queenstown has a housing crisis. And I'm like, well, what, what is the church doing? As in not saying we're not doing anything, but if we had to look at discipling nations, part of that is actually seeing a need and bringing a strategy to see that change. Why, why isn't the church working with, with government, local government, to actually see a situation where people are hurting actually bring a real answer? Because the, if we continue to have the understanding that, well, that's not a church issue, that's a government issue, we'll continue to be ineffective in our nation. Okay? If anyone's got a strategy, by the way, please come. I would actually genuinely love to see that, that solved somehow. Should I talk about the baptiz- baptizo, the pickle? I feel like I've gone too long. The word, uh, when it says baptized nations in Matthew 28, it's actually, a, it's not bapto, it's baptizo. And here's the, here's the um, understanding from the Strong's Concordance of what that Greek word actually means. It's, it's the only one that's actually mentioned in Matthew 28. It says, the clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician, um, well, Nicander, who lived about 200 BC. It is a recipe for making pickles and is helpful because it uses both words. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, which is bapto, into boiling water, and then baptized, which is baptizo, in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetable in a solution. But the first is temporary. The second, the act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change. When used in the New Testament, this word more often refers to our union and identification with Christ then to our water baptism. E.g., he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Christ is saying that mere intellectual assent is not enough. There must be a union with him, a real change, like a vegetable to the pickle. So when we talk about Matthew 28, and it says to baptize the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's not talking about all of us going around and just water baptizing everyone. Baptizo means to actually be washed and cleansed and then placed in a pickling solution, which actually changes and brings transformation to the vegetable that's been pickled. What does that mean, Corey? If we don't stay in these, they don't get pickled. Seriously. He's not saying go into family and baptize everyone in water. We should. Mark 16, come on. 100% we should. But baptizo is an actual staying in a place to what actually brings transformation and change because of the transformation and change that's taken place in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, should actually influence and bring change to the sphere that God has placed you in. And if all of these spheres begin to change, Guess what gets discipled? A nation. 
So when it says to baptize, what he's saying is be in these areas. Be the pickling solution. Allow those things and people around you to be influenced and transformed for my glory. Bring transformation to family, church. Bring transformation to education, to government, to media. Bring transformation to business. Come on, do it as I have called you to do it and teach others to do the same. What does that mean? It doesn't mean walking around with this and slapping everyone over the head and saying, do it this way. That's not what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying, you live like this and you'll begin to pickle the people around you. All of a sudden, because you, because you do architecture in such an excellent way, people want to work with you. They want to partner with you because you, you live and walk out excellence. But it turns out to work with you, it has to be done this way. So now people are beginning to adjust. Business is now being pickled. Hey, if you want to work with Corey, he really values integrity. So you know how we used to like slip bribes before? We can't do that here. You know how we used to promise stuff and not deliver? We can't do that if we want to work with this person. Come on. See, this is, this is just not ideology and theories, guys. This is real life stuff. Come on, if, you, if you're going to teach, teach unto the glory of the Lord. If you're going to be a teacher, be an, be an incredible teacher. If you're going to be a nurse, be an incredible nurse. If you're going to be a hairdresser, like give the best face. Like, come on. Like, like if you're called to fashion, do it unto the Lord. Like imagine if someone felt called to fashion instead of saying, man, I just feel like it's really like, just seems really weird and sketchy. They felt the grace to be in it. And then we started seeing fashion trends that actually honor God. And now Corey doesn't have to worry about his little girl growing up and wearing nothing at all. Seriously, why? Because there's a Christian who's pickling the world of fashion right now. And all of a sudden, this fashion trends are starting to change. And not only that, they want to make the clothes and they want to do it ethically. Now all of a sudden we're creating jobs and economics in other areas, which is actually bringing transformation to countries that are in poverty. That's what discipling nations looks like. Bringing the kingdom of God in all of these areas. The pickling process, the staying, the being who Christ has called me to be in the midst of it, you don't have to be the boss. You just got to be Christ in the midst of all of these. We cannot keep pulling out of society. What we are seeing today, unfortunately, we just have to be real with it. Address the elephant in the room. What we are seeing today it's because of the withdrawal 
of Christians in these areas. Why? Because it gets hard, because you get persecuted. I can tell you why, because no one wants light in an area when people want to live in darkness. If you come to my house and I haven't cleaned it, you best believe I'm dimming the lights. <laughs> I don't want you to see my mess. Bible says that to some that we are the sweetest, sweet aroma of life, to others we are the stench of death. So not everyone's going to like us. Not everyone's going to like the way you stand. Not everyone's going to like what you believe. And you best believe that they would love to kick you out of the sphere of education. But I hear the words of Jesus, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. What's he saying? The nations are mine. Family's mine. Religion's mine. Education's mine. Come on, church. They're all his. The nations of the earth are his. Heaven is his. Earth is his. His kids should really be involved in it. Don't you think? Come on. We should be involved in all these areas. Let's go to Colossians 3, 17, and I'm going to finish. I know that's the second time I said that, and I'm trying to live integral right now. <laughs> Colossians 3, 17, 23, this is just, this is just practically how we, we start living this out, guys. I, I, by the way, when I preach this today, please, this is not just going to be a once-off sermon. We, we really need to get serious about fulfilling the Great Commission. That doesn't mean that we preach about it every week, but it means that we have a lens that we are here to disciple nations. And if you're in any of these spheres, I want to encourage you, please, you, <laughs> what you are doing is unto the Lord. And we need you there. God wants you there. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, that's great. If you're a lawyer, come on, I don't care if you work in a McDonald's, if you're a pastor, whatever you do. Whatever you do, no matter what it is and where it will do, deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon His person, giving praise to God the Father through Him. Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. What does that mean, Corey? It means that I can be a teacher even though I don't agree with the way that education is going. Because I am not teaching to say yes to an agenda, I'm teaching unto the Lord. Come on, somebody. I need an amen on that one. When I am in media, it does not mean that I agree with the way that Hollywood is going and what they're producing. I do, I do not do what I do unto men. I do it unto the Lord. So I'm not responsible for what other people do. I'm responsible for how I live my life. And the Bible says that if I'm faithful in what I do and I do it heartily and I do it well and I do it unto the Lord, He'll actually bring shifting and changing around me because I'm dependent on the Lord. So whatever I find to do, I could be hammering in nails, I could be a lawyer, I could be a police officer, I could be a, in local government, I could be a, I wanted to be a sports star, <laughs> didn't work out, 
trying to live my dreams through my kids right now. Mike is going to go to the NBA, so I'm stoked for that. That's awesome. He loves Steph Curry, so that's 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 that. Um, I also wanted to be an artist. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm making this all about me. Um, <laughs> if I'm going to be an artist, if I'm going to be in sports, if I'm going to be in science and technology, guess what? I'm, I'm doing it unto the Lord. I'm going to do it with everything I am. Whatever my hand finds to do it, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it unto the Lord. That is how we begin to have influence in every single sphere. Do your job, do it well. Do your job, do it according to the Word of God. Do not see it as a job. See it as a ministry and an offering unto the Lord. In every area, in our families, parent unto the Lord. Come on, in your marriages, do it unto the Lord. When you're educating your kids, do it unto the Lord. Come on. Everything that our hand finds to do it, we do it not unto men, we do it unto the Lord. I know this sounds so simple, but the reality is that if we stay in the sphere that God has placed us in, and we do everything in that sphere as an gl- offering unto the Lord, we will see the discipleship of nations. I can tell you right now that we will never see national transformation if we just hang out in the one sphere. I don't care how many prayer meetings you have. <laughs> Not that I'm against prayer. I love prayer. We pray every Wednesday. 6.30. Thank you, Josiah. <laughs> Keeps changing every week. The time changes. You just never know. You've got to hear the Lord to know what time it starts. <laughs> we will never disciple nations if we don't see these seven places as ministry areas. If all we see... As ministry is church, we've missed it. So we need to begin to start shifting as Christians to come to the realization that the Great Commission is not just about individual personal evangelism. It is about the discipling of nations. So what does that leave us with? It means that every single person in this room is a minister of the gospel. You may never preach the gospel on the street, but you are an evangelist. Come on. We have shrunk it down so small. But the reality is that we are called to disciple nations. Can I just quickly just let you know that Gen Z are leaving Christianity at an alarming rate. We, we can't just be mono-generational. Gen Z is also the most cause-driven generation that has ever walked the planet. The reason they are leaving Christianity is because we have told them that Christianity is just doing your normal job, turn up to church, hang in that religious church sphere, The cause of Christ is to disciple nations. What does that mean? Well, that's when my son comes and says, hey, Dad, I love anime. And I say, well, that's stupid, son. You should be a pastor. Follow your dad. (laughs) Son, that's awesome. 
use the giftings and the calling that God has placed you in. Get involved in the arts. Get involved in entertainment, son, and preach the gospel. Come on, preach it. Micah, you want to go to the NBA? Awesome. Give it up. Be a pastor. <laughs> son, you want to go to the NBA? Man, you're going to have to train hard. You're going to have to put in work. But son, just know that when you get there, it's not about you living like hell and then just giving a shout out to Jesus in your speech. You preach the gospel. Every game, you preach the gospel by the way you live, by the way that you honor your wife and your family. Come on. You preach the gospel. You show the world. You show the world the kingdom of God. Come on. Asher, you want to be a scientist? Come on, be a scientist for Jesus. Man, I feel like I'm prophesying over all my kids. I don't even know if he wants to be a scientist, but come on. You want to be in government? You want to be a police officer? Well, enforce the law. Come on. Capture the bad guys. Come on. Seriously. Make the nation safe. Come on, bring boundaries. Bring, bring justice. Show the world what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Come on, the, Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying? Bring heaven into the earth. Bring heaven into society. He has a plan for families. He has a plan for education. These are, these are, not, these are not things that the world came up with, friend. These are originally designed by the Lord. And they need to be redeemed again. We need to discover the original intent of every single sphere and what it's about. And we need to be salt and light in every single one of them. And I'd love to say, say to you that we're just going to walk in and that's going to be fine, but I can tell you right now. The world can't wait to get rid of us. Why? Because we have the Bible. We have the kingdom of God, which says there is righteous and unrighteous. There is right and wrong. The, the concept of the world is that utopia, peace on earth is when there are no rules and everyone just accepts everyone. And then he fell off the stage. It's not the truth. Heaven on earth will be when heaven is on earth. When society and nations are running the way that God intended it to. There will be freedom. There will be peace. There will be love, joy. There will be justice when we live according to the word of God. Ooh, come on. Anyone feel encouraged tonight? I put my, we put some hands up this morning, but I was so blessed to see so many people in the church that are all in these different areas of, different spheres of society. And I, I just felt the heart of the Lord just to encourage what you do matters. That job that you keep turning up and turning up to every day, it matters. People are watching you. You, you, you don't know it, but you're a pickler. 
You might not even like pickles, but get used to it because that's what you're producing. You are bringing change and transformation in your workplace, in your school, in your sphere. Come on, it needs all of us. This is not a one-man preacher. This is not a, a, a one-organization thing to disciple nations. It takes the body of Christ. And it takes the body of Christ realizing that they are called to every single area of society. And whatever one you're in is just as important. Come on. Why don't we stand tonight? <clears throat> I feel like I missed something that I really wanted to say, but could be the Lord just saying, shut up, Tori. We've said enough. Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for your word tonight. I pray that every Every believer would be encouraged. Lord, your church would wake up to the call to disciple nations. God, forgive us of our measurements. Forgive us for looking to attendances. God, if it ain't changing nations, it ain't the Great Commission. If it's not bringing transformation to people, it's not the Great Commission. If what we're doing is just producing people to sit in seats, it's not the Great Commission. pray that every believer would hear the call of God tonight, the call to go, the call to disciple, the call to lay hands on the sick, the call to teach, and the nations to observe your ways. I pray for every person in every area they would see the divine call upon their life. God, I pray that every business owner in this room would, would have a bigger perspective that their business is not just there to make money for the sphere of religion and church, but their business is to pickle, is to bring transformation is to show the world who God is, how His kingdom works. I bless your people today. I don't know everyone in the room, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to know Him. We had a young man for the first time give his life to Jesus this morning. Because we are all for the saving of souls, for the saving and the discipling of nations.